If you've got a busy schedule, it can be hard to get all your nutrients on the go, which is why I have been so excited to discover Organifi. Organifi makes it easy to fill your life with more nutrition using delicious superfood blends. Just add a scoop to a glass of water or your favorite beverage to energize and nourish your day with carefully selected vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. In the afternoon, instead of reaching for caffeine or a sugary snack, I grab the Organifi Red Juice, a delicious superfood punch that increases energy without the caffeine and only two grams of sugar. And my favorite is the Organifi Gold. It has turmeric and it's a delicious treat that also helps me sleep better. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods for less than $3 a day. Go to www.organifi.com backslash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off any item. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Allison and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Best of You podcast, where we are going through the seven P's of managing perceptions, the ways that parts of us try to get us to cope, try to get us to show up in our lives that keeps us from authentic connection with others, with God, and with parts of ourselves that need our attention. And today, we're going to talk about a performer part. This is that part of you that can shapeshift, that can play different roles, that is adept at getting the job done. It might be a part of you that achieves, or it might be a part of you that just knows how to get the job done and knows how to show up in whatever way is necessary in order to earn the approval, earn the affection of other people. And my guest today to talk about this performer part is a new friend of mine, Tony Collier. Tony is an amazing woman who is the author of a brand new book called Brave Enough to be Broken. And she's also got a very adept performer part of her that did a lot to help her survive and almost got the best of her. Tony is a coach and she's the founder of Broken Crayons, Still Color, an international women's ministry that helps women process their brokenness and reclaim hope. And before we get started with Tony, I wanted to read you a few of these quotes from her new book that really stood out to me. And I just loved because they fit so well. They align so well with everything we talk about on this podcast, right? That we have to trust God. We want to turn toward God in everything we're doing, especially in this work of healing. And we also have to equip ourselves with the tools that God gives us. So here are some quotes just to get started before I bring Tony on. In the past, I would plead for God to take away the pain. Today, I pray for God to be with me in the pain as he and I journey toward hope. Another quote, I believe that Jesus is in the valleys with us, 
But even more than that, he wants to give us every tool to claw our way out. He's smart. And because he is the creator of all and is working through and in everything, not only is he spiritually present with us in every moment, but he's also giving us the practical tools to live redemption out day by day. I just love that Tony in this book offers real spiritual wisdom as well as practical tools of how she dug herself out and how you can dig yourself out too. So with that, Tony, welcome to the Best of You podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm so excited to dive into the hard things and bring Jesus in it too, you know? You are just so open, right? And that's a big part of your path toward healing. But I want to just start a little Mm -hmm. bit at the beginning. In Brave Enough to be Broken, in the very first chapter, you write, I hadn't even begun to process the childhood wounds that dug deep into my performer's heart. Mm. It started with taking care of your mom after she'd suffered a massive stroke when you were eight. And immediately, of course, my my therapist, I was like, what do you mean by Mm. performer's heart? Tell us a little bit more about that performer part of you that you know, from what I read, you know, stepped in really legitimately, had to step in, but then got a little extreme. You didn't, you know, you were young. So tell me a little bit about what you meant by that. When I first started my uh, counseling journey, my um, counselor recommended a book called The Performer's Heart, and I started to, to dive into it. And I was like, man, this is me. Essentially what was happening was, and this is probably going to get just like a little intense real fast, but what was happening was, yeah, my mom was was so sick. She had a massive stroke when I was eight years old. She was paralyzed on her left side. She, We found out she had a blood clot. She lost her large intestine. I mean, really life-threatening things. And because my father went into overdrive at work and he really started to just kind of hide in his work and my brothers went to drugs and all the things, it was just me and my mom. And so there were moments where if I didn't know how to drive my mom to the doctors, she may have died. Like, And so now I, I'm growing up with this idea that if I don't take care of something, that if I don't lead something, if I'm not the one that shows up, then the things will die. That's how extreme my body was uh, processing it, is I have to be in charge, I have to do it, I have to protect everyone, or they'll die. And so what happened was, obviously, that leaked over into all of these other areas of my life. Also wanted to make my dad proud, because if I did really well, if I performed really well, he would show up. He would come back. He would say he's proud. He would leave work to come to my cheerleading competition or my acting competition. And so there was just this like ping pong of like, I'm performing to make sure that everyone stays safe and alive. I'm also performing for attention for someone to just look at me and say, we're proud of you. We see you working so hard to keep everything afloat. And obviously that then manifests, you know, into college and then it leaked over into ministry. What does that look like? Well, you stand on stages and you perform and you don't share what's actually happening. So you don't get healed. And then you are an unhealthy leader in ministry because you're just performing. So yeah, all that. It's unbelievable. I mean, just just to put the juxtaposition, probably already a, a bent in you toward being very capable you know, high achieving, I'm sure that was already in there. But then you overlay the trauma, right, of what happened to your mom, probably other traumas where you literally kind of had to step up. You had to step up and perform beyond what any child 
should have to do. You're still performing at school. You're still all the things you just said. You're getting affirmed for all the, you know, it's just, it makes so much sense to me that the message, what I'm hearing you say is there's sort of a message this part of you picked up that was like, well, I can do it. I am doing it. And no one else is going to do it either to some degree. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And no one was taking you aside, Tony, and saying, this isn't your job or, you know, it, it sounds like there wasn't really anyone stepping in. Yeah. I think that's what I would say hurts the most, you know, when I'm in counseling, when I'm processing with my counselor, the thing that like gets that frog up in my throat, you know, gets my little eyes to tearing is the question like, where was everybody? Where were the school counselors? Where was my, where were my other family members? And of course, where were you God? Right. Mm -hmm. In my deepest, darkest moments, I'm like, at the beginning of my my healing journey, I was like, God, where were you? Why weren't you protecting me? Which then manifested into the lie that God doesn't protect you. When all along, he actually was right there protecting me from so many things and bottling up every single one of my tears. His mm-hmm. withness was not the question. It was, well, what do you do when everyone around you is not with you? How do you reconcile that? Mm-hmm. And it was tough. So tough. Yeah, it's like you have the, I talk a lot of time about spiritually strong. We have all the belief in God, but absolutely no one. I mean, we're, we still need the skills, the tools to learn no. how to live that out. Now, the sense I get from your book, Tony, without spoiling it for anybody, just the vulnerability that you share in the book is you go between, and, and I talk about this a lot in Boundaries for Your Soul, you kind of go between this overperforming and you know, overproducing, getting the job done all the things on one hand and then numbing, which makes sense. Let's shut it down, right? (laughs) Like, because those tender, vulnerable, sweet, young parts of you were not getting the care that they needed. So tell me a little bit about that. How did you, at what point, like, I'm sure that's not a conscious choice. Gee, I'm (laughs) overperforming. So golly, let's numb it down. Like, how did that happen? Like, if you kind of put yourself back in young Tony when you started numbing, I don't know if there's a, a story that comes to mind or a first moment where it was just like, were you conscious? I mean, reading your story now, it's like, of course you did. Of course yeah. you shut yeah. yourself down. It makes perfect yeah. sense. But at the time, I'm just curious if you were conscious of it or if it was more just kind of kind of desperation and I'm just doing what I need to do in the moment to survive. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, I think it's the latter. I think you know, as children, as teens, we're so young, we're so resilient, but we are doing what we can to survive, you know, and the very things that we've used to cope growing up becomes the things that take us out as adults, you know, like, it's like, whoa, that is not a good behavior, girls and boys, but I was just doing the best I could. And that moment was when I was 13, I'll never forget it. I went over the summer to stay with my godparents and I just loved their life so much. They had a whole family. No one was sick. They had these fun things that they did. They went to basketball games and football games and all their kids were able to be kids. And so mm. of course, when you catch a glimpse of that, it it's almost like a mirror to your pain. You know, you're like, darn it. Like, oh, I want my mm. life to be like this. And I did not want to go home at all. Mm. I remember returning and that was the first time that I'd really fallen vulnerable to a much older guy in high school who was very sexually manipulative for my entire freshman year in high school. He would just perform these sexual acts on me until I lost my virginity at 13 in my my bedroom when my parents were gone. 
And it was the first time I think that I had found something to numb with. And it was just Mm -hmm. like this, you know, escape that sex had that gave to me. And he also introduced me to marijuana and drinking. And so that just added to the numbing. You know, I look back now and I'm like, yeah, it was that summer when I experienced a whole family or, you know, what looked like a whole family. And I just got so sad and I didn't want to feel that anymore. And so that's when I started numbing. Absolutely. That makes so much sense, right? The juxtaposition is so, and I hear this a lot, almost tasting or glimpsing this beauty or this safety in this family where you maybe could even be a kid, where you didn't have to be the adult. You didn't have to be, you could just sort of a glimpse of it while beautiful and good also stirred up all that pain and all that sadness. And what 13-year-old knows how to deal with that? We're not equipped. We're not equipped. And so someone comes in with a sort of, you know, pseudo-false version, Mm -hmm. and it makes so much sense. I kind of like what you said about, you know, a 13-year-old not being equipped and What I'm excited about in this book is that I think we have a lot of adults that aren't equipped either. I was numbing from 13 all the way up until 24, got a divorce, finally decided to kind of clean my life up, but I didn't have the tools and the resources to really claw my way out. I had to go get them, right? I had a source, which was God, but the resources I didn't. And it's unfortunate because we have so many 25, 30, 50, 60, 70 year olds who also aren't equipped to to heal and to get into counseling and have all these other resources. And I think that's something that we should pay attention to. You know, I, I bet there's someone that's like, oh, snap, I'm 35 years old. Am I equipped? And it's like, yeah, we should be asking ourselves that question right now. You know, a hundred percent. I love that, that that you're saying, because part of the reason you weren't equipped is because the adults who were supposed to be caring for you weren't equipped, right? And so, and again, we never, we always talk about this. I always want to add the caveat. We're all, all the moms listening, all the dads listening, all the, we're not, we don't say this to shame, right? As our, as our friend Kurt Thompson says, we say this to name, to name what's true, right? Not to shame, but to name when those caregivers are not there Mm -hmm. and not equipped, there's, there is, a fallout for that, that we have to be real about. And I say this all the time, and this was a huge part of my my healing journey with my parents, is that there is a difference between people that are wicked and those that are weak. Mm-hmm. And my, the truth is my mom could have done nothing. There was nothing else that she could have done with her health. It was not her fault that she got sick, that she had all these medical issues. There was nothing else she could have done. And for my dad, when I started healing from you know things in my past with my father, I, I realized that he had never had another example of parenting than, you know, his dad and his dad, you know? And so I think that's so good, Allison. Like we've got to give people the grace to be imperfect as we all are. And from that place, I think it's honestly so much easier to forgive if we're being honest. So many things were reconciled in my past from just understanding that my parents were just broken, imperfect human beings that needed the same grace that I ended up needing as well, you know? And we can hold two things in our own healing journey as adults of, I didn't get what I needed. And that yep. is true. There is a reason for that. And and sometimes we're more there. You know, sometimes we go mm-hmm. through phases of anger. We go through phases yeah. of, you know, and that's that's valid. And then we kind of get to this point of, and here are the reasons that I didn't get what I needed. And, you know, it sounds like you've done a lot of that work. I'm curious, Tony. So you're numbing all the way through 23, but 
from what I understand, as you tell the story, you're also high performing all the way through. Twilight. Like it's it's a like, you are doing both kind of you know like at a high level. First of all, were you aware of that divide? Were you aware mm-hmm. of that split? And was anybody around you, or could you keep it hidden? Oh. I don't know. First of all, I thought I was going to be a lawyer, which is probably why I kept it hidden so well. But I say this all the time. And no, I I did not recognize it in the moment. I say this all the time, though. I was living like legitimately two different lives. Like, I mean, I really was. My counselor calls it my ability to be a chameleon. Like I can just kind of like bend and move and be everything everybody wants me to be, which, you know, is a part of that performer part. And I was 16. I graduated high school, but I was also literally sneaking out of my parents' house, stealing the car, going to smoke weed, like all this stuff. I was captain of the cheerleading team. I was in the debate team, thespian society as an actress. I was winning awards and setting records in high school because again, there was this this back and forth of, I got to make my dad proud. I want him to say he's proud so bad. So I got to fight, fight, fight. But the only way for me to have the strength to endure, to actually push forward is to numb all the painful parts. Like they cannot come in the room because they're going to freaking destroy me. And so I just, you know, push them all underneath the rug. And unfortunately, as you know, and we know, and we should all know, you leak until you implode. Okay. And then you explode. And that's what happened at 23, 24. It just all bubbled up to the surface. And it was like, oh, I can't do both. I've got to find some health here. I've got to stop allowing the pendulum to swing back and forth between these two extremes and find a rhythm that's healthy for my life. It's unbelievable. I mean, as we always say, I honor the parts of you that were working so hard hard. to keep you going by performing, achieving, and numbing. That's how you survived. Talk us through a little bit That moment when you realized this isn't going to work anymore. Oh, my gosh. First of all, I lost everything. I got into a marriage at 19 and got engaged, moved to a whole different state. It was crazy guy. I knew him for like three months. It was crazy. But I was performing. I was like, look at me. I'm young. I'm about to get married. I'm an adult. Here I am. Look at me go. And I ended up being a really toxic and verbally abusive marriage and but i had a daughter in that and it took me a while to leave and i finally left and then i was also in a really spiritually abusive church and i transitioned out of that church as well and next thing you know i am a single mom i am living with another single mom cuz i can't afford a place for myself looking for a job i'd been in ministry i'd been on stages and now i hadn't and i just lost everything and i also decided to stop numbing i'm like i j- i want to start over i want a new life i want to you know get it together. Well, when you stop numbing, okay, it's when really all the things start to come to the surface. I was doing drugs, smoking alcohol to numb and anxiety set in. And I was like, whoa, what's this? And it's like, oh, well, you've always been battling with anxiety. You just didn't know it because you were numbing it and hiding it so much. And so in that moment, I just remember pleading with God to take the pain away because it was almost like I had woken up to the reality that I had a really, really hard first 20 somewhat years of my life because numbing keeps you from that. You know, it tries to keep you safe until it doesn't anymore. And I just crumbled. I I had to send my daughter to be with my parents for that summer Mm. so that I could rebuild my life and figure out what was next. And 
I knew that I needed to go into counseling. I just was so scared to, because in our culture, in the African-American culture, it was like, what are you even talking about? Why are you going to go see a shrink? Are you crazy? I remember when I told my mom, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to go to counseling. She literally picked up the phone and called me. She was like, are you bipolar? What's going on, girl? And I'm like, well, I okay. Um, I actually don't know if I'm bipolar or not. However, I would love to go find out, you know? But it was just this big stigma of like, you've got to be crazy psychotic to even think about going to a counselor's office. And so- I just focused on getting my finances together, but more than anything, I wanted to be a healthy mom. That That's what drove me. I don't even think I had the confidence in myself to heal for me. It was for my daughter. I didn't want her to go through what I went through. And so I just went and did my work, but it was extremely painful, extremely painful. A recent survey found that 7 in 10 parents get an average of just three hours of sleep a night in their baby's first year. Moms, you deserve to have quality sleep. And I know one thing that will help. It's Cozy Earth. You can discover the secret to better sleep with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use code BESTOFYOU for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth bedding products are crafted with temperature-regulating technology that adapts to your body's needs through all phases of motherhood. And they use only the very best fabrics, materials, and weaves, offering superior softness that invites you to sink into a world of comfort. The best part is Cozy Earth stands by the quality and longevity of their products. Enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all purchases. They're built to last through the hardest days and the longest nights. Treat yourself to ultimate comfort with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code BESTOFYOU for an exclusive 35% off. The luxury she deserves. Cozy Earth. Getting high-quality food and household essentials delivered right to my doorstep, whether it's my favorite Dave's Killer Bread, incredible wine, or seventh-generation cleaning supplies has been a game-changer for me. I love that Thrive Market only allows trusted, top-quality ingredients while restricting thousands of harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And with just a few clicks, I can filter out ingredients that I don't want, like gluten or high-sugar content, making it so easy to find the items I need for my family. Best of all, when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash you for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash you. thrivemarket.com slash you. I just want to say, Tony, the word brave, the fact that brave is in the title of this book, I just have tears. I mean, the performer part of you that was so bravely taking care of your mom, that was so bravely showing up at school, getting all the stuff done, the numbing part of you, honestly and truly, that was so bravely trying to help you cope in whatever way it knew how. But honestly, then just what you just described, the bravery to go, I've got a little girl and I got to stop. Here's what I love. You say this in the book, and it just blessed me, and I, I want to read it. You say, you prayed, please, please take the pain away. Please, God, why does my life have to be so hard? Please take the pain away. And then you describe feeling a moment of relief, which is beautiful. And then your next sentence is, that was also the day that I decided to find a counselor. Yeah. 
I just thought that was so fascinating. You you cried out and then mm-hmm. you did that brave step of saying, I got to look at all this stuff. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. When you reached out for that yeah. support, you know, how did yeah. that go initially? Did it, was it scary? Was it pretty quickly like, oh no, this is, this is working. You know, how did that go? Yeah. It's interesting because everything was happening at one time. So mm-hmm. I'd experienced this, you know, really a toxic church. And I was like, oh gosh, like, uh, am I going to go to another church again? I was like, no, I'm not. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, I just really want to be in church. And so I visited North Point Ministries and messed around and found an incredible church community with a healthy pastor and all kinds of great things. And so that was happening at one time. And then I started realizing that the people that I had surrounded myself with, I just couldn't anymore. Like I, if I wanted a life change, I actually had to change my community as well. And so I literally, and honestly, I think I stumbled into this because I kind of just cut everybody off. I was like, okay, nobody talked to me. I need to get my life together. But what it did was it, it, it made room for healthy community. Because oftentimes, you know, we like want new friends, but we've got all these other friends that are in our inner circle. And they're like, well, how do I transition them out? What do I do? And I talk about that in the book too. How do you transition people to safe spaces for you? And so that was happening at once. And then later down the line, I I met my now husband, Sam, and I was like, who is this guy? And he just like loved me so much. And I was like, dude, what's happening? He was so emotionally aware. He was like, hey, I want to talk to you about my feelings. I'm like, you're a guy. You don't have feelings, which is what I learned from my dad, you know? All of it was happening at one time. What was great about starting to experience healthy community, a healthy church, a healthy boyfriend, was that it was a mirror that showed me that what I had been doing wasn't healthy. And I think for many of us, that's what really helps. When we start to pursue health, it starts to overflow in all areas of our lives. And then it starts to show the very things that you're battling with. And that's what was happening. Like, As I sat in a counseling office, no, it wasn't cute at first. As a matter of fact, I went up in there with my arms crossed and I was like, what you going to do, girl? Okay. And she's like, tell me your whole life. And I give her like my whole little story and I spit it off all fast. Like nothing's happened at all. And she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. What what do you, what do you mean? Like, I'm good to go. I was very standoffish. I felt very unprotected. And then I realized that I had a part to play in counseling. If I wanted to actually heal, then I needed to open up and Again, it was because I had friends now that were like, oh, I went to counseling and I've got this homework I've got to do. And I'm like, you do your homework? Like what? It's like, yeah, you actually need to go and do your work like outside of the counseling office. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. And so it was just this process of all this revelation and witnessing healthy people and just owning it for myself, you know? I love that. I want to pause on, there's a couple of things you said in there. Um, again, first of all, just this partnership, right, yeah. with you doing the work and obviously with God. But there's a couple of words you said that I just want to pause on because I love it. You said stumbling. You said, I'm stumbling around, stumbling my way. I happened upon this church. And what I hear in that is so many people, and I think you say this in the book, but so many people are like, what is my five-step plan? And it's like, it's it's just you had a new direction. You're like, I'm going to move toward healing. I don't know yep. where to get it. So I'm going to stumble around, happened upon. And I hear this all the time, you know, toxic church, toxic church. Oh my golly, this is a healthy church, you know, but it's just like, there's some health here. There's some health in this man that I'm dating. It's messy, yeah. that process. And I really appreciate that you're kind of, you know, you're, you're saying I was doing a lot of different things at once. I just knew I had to change. Yeah. And so I kind of threw a lot of things at the wall yeah. and noticed what stuck, noticed what mm-hmm was healthy. And I really appreciate yep. just that honesty mm-hmm. about that because the process is not always easy, especially as you, to use your words, we're clawing our way out. It's just trying to go in the right direction, trying to go yes. in a healthier direction. 
Yeah. I love that you bring that up too, because that was kind of the, the reason why I even started my women's organization, Broken Crown Still Color, because healing isn't, I mean, we know this, we've, we've heard the quote, healing is not linear. It's this weird, windy, tight, squeezed, you know, like process. And I really wanted to try a little bit to put like legs to some of this healing stuff. It's, you know, a roadmap, if you will, of what I did, because mm-hmm. I know that there's people out there. There's just like, I don't even know how to find counseling. I don't even know what it means to like have a healthy friend. I don't know what boundaries are. I don't know how to put those up and have those hard conversations. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's good to have a roadmap. It's good to have a one, two, three step. But just like you're saying, like, if you're just going towards hope, yeah. I just believe that you'll get there. Yeah. If you're just like, I just want a brighter day, like I want to do better. If you're humble enough to say, I'm not getting everything right. I've contributed to some of these situations. I've contributed to some of my pain. I've been a victim maybe in the past, but I don't have to stay a victim. Like mm-hmm. those hope filled, you know, statements and declarations. I think we'll get there. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that. And it can be messy. I love that. I love what you're saying. Like, even with the boundaries, I, you know, I talk a lot to people about scripts and how to do it and how to say it. And it's all helpful. And then there's sometimes there's a part of me that's like, and just do it the best you can. And sometimes we do it yeah. real, real sloppily. Sometimes we, you know, it's OK, know, especially when you're at rock bottom, you just figure out how to get out and get out. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not always pretty. And you can yep. always go back later and kind of, you know, if you need to. Hey, you didn't say that right. So sorry. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Hey. If that if if that person is someone who was worthy of the, you know, yeah. you, you, they'll they'll be there in the long run. If they weren't, then now I want to just touch t- a couple more questions. I want to touch on now. You're a speaker. You are an author. You've had another baby. You're married. You know, you've got all this stuff going on. You got this organization. That performer part of you, right? How do you keep? that part of you in a health, you're clearly an incredibly capable woman. It's a gift. Sure. It's a talent. It's beautiful. Sure. How do you keep that part of you in, in check, you know, so that you're also making sure to stay in balance, stay in touch with yeah. the ongoing work of healing and the hard things that we continue to face in life? Yeah, absolutely. This was a real journey because performer was like deeply in me. It was like in the fabric of my being. The first step was, um, I remember starting Broken Crayons, Still Color for the first time. And I was, it was just a one man show. It's just me, a blog. I'm like doing my thing. And literally a month after I started it, I started to feel the Lord say to shut it down. And I was like, oh no, sir. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. You're not about to embarrass me out here. Okay. I've started something. I've got my name on it. I don't know what you're talking about. He was like, shut it down. And I submitted to that. And not only did he say shut it down, but I also took a break off of social media. Now, before that, if you know people can scroll all the way down on my Instagram, I was posting pictures of me on stage and look at my life now and look at who I am. I mean, highlight reel all the way. After I took a three-month break off of social media, I came back and I realized that I was healing. I was doing a great job, but I had really just refocused the performer. The performer before was like in a really toxic marriage and, you know, just pretending that it wasn't happening. Now I wasn't pretending more than I was just like glamorizing. Like I was just showing this very beautiful part, this now redeemed, still coloring part of my life. And the Lord was like, Mm-mm, sweetie pie, like you, I, nothing is wasted. You have not walked through all of that for nothing. And so what I started doing was um, anytime I would post on social media, I would put it in my notes first 
So I call this method like slowing down on the highway. So you know when you have to get off on the highway and you're about to pass up your exit, the one thing my mom always told me is don't try to speed to the exit if you're about to miss it. Slow down. Slow down. Get over. Give yourself some time, et cetera. Slow down. I slow down now in everything that I do, in the way that I lead, in the way that I parent. I have to slow myself down. And I write my captions in notes and I pray over them and I think about it. Is this about me? I ask myself really hard and honest questions. Is this about me? Are we trying to perform or is this pointing people to Jesus? Is Mm -hmm. this really authentic or what? I mean, what are you doing here, sweet girl? Are you just trying to be somebody that you're not? Mm -hmm. And and it's that way in my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. One of my sayings that we have in our organization is we don't get ahead of God. Because it is when we get ahead of God, then we're performing out of our idols, out of our own uh, confidence, all the things. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a lifestyle of slowing down, of asking God, mm-hmm. of being certain that I'm doing it out of the overflow of who I am. It's a breaking up with balance, like mm-hmm. having a hundred tabs open versus marrying priorities. Mm-hmm. Where am I right now? Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's just awareness, I think is probably what mm-hmm. we call it. Just that. knowing myself. I know what it feels like to perform. Mm-hmm. And so if I start to drift into that, I got to check myself and slow it on down and yeah, shut that. it down. <laughs> I love that. What would you say, Tony, to that young, I don't know whether she's 8, 13 or 23, that young. Look, we already cried about this, Allison, so I know I'm strong now. Okay. <laughs> what would you say to that young performer yeah. part of you now? Yeah. I think I would just tell her two things. I would say, number one, God is kind. Mm -hmm. That means a lot to me because I grew up thinking God was this big, mean God and that he was at the end of the tunnel saying, you have to get it right before you have access to me. When now I know that he's really the God that's lighting up the tunnel to get me through. And eight-year-old Tony, 13-year-old Tony, even 19-year-old Tony needed to know that God is really, really kind And our friend, Dr. Kurt Thompson says this as well. Like sometimes it's not even like the things that we go through, the brokenness that we go through, the grief that we have to carry. It's the the pain and fear of doing it alone. A kind God is with you. And I just think I would tell her that. And then I would also say to her, if you didn't do another thing, if you didn't do another thing in the world, you are so worthy. Mm-hmm. And as simple as that is to hear now, like now I don't even think it would impact me because I'm like, dang right, I am a worthy. I am worthy. But nine-year-old Tony needed to hear that. No one told her that. Mm-hmm. No one told her that she didn't have to perform for her worth. Mm-hmm. And I would tell her that. I love that. That's beautiful. What would you say to another woman right now who is feeling at the bottom of that pit and, and desperate to start clawing her way out? I think the one thing that I have been saying here recently is giving yourself permission to feel the pain and to be right there in that valley. I think that people can mistake this idea of being brave enough to be broken for like, put your superhero cape on and go and do the hard thing no matter what. But the truth is there were ebbs and flows in my healing journey. There were moments when I had to call my counselor and say, listen, every week I I, I need a break. I, I mean, let's go bi-weekly right now. I need a little bit, I need a break. This, this kind of hurt. This last thing that we talked about, it was was a lot for me. And even with my organization, I can recognize that there were moments where I used it as a crutch. The broken crayon's still color. It's like, okay, it's broken. It's okay. Okay, let's keep it going. Let's fix it. It's all good. Everybody just clean it all up. But really there's power in that valley that you're in right now, the pain that you're feeling right now. And there's grace for it and there's patience for it. And so 
I would encourage that person right now to be in that valley, mm-hmm. but know that we're not going to leave you there. Mm-hmm. God's not going to leave you there. There are mountains of hope to claw your way to, and it is worth it. It is worth the work. Mm-hmm. And so I just want us to, ba- you know, just the kindness, just balance it both. I love that. I love that. The valley is painful. It's hard. And it is a season. It's not mm-hmm. forever. And I love that, like, almost kind of to the slowing down. And even just being able to name that you're in it is part of the movement toward healing. I also love, I want to underscore what you said about the pacing that you needed to do with your therapy. You get to say, you know, every week is too much for me. I need to slow it down or I need to, you know, I love that you had the courage to say, I got to go at my own pace here and I'm not doing the work. And I want to tell people, you know, we talk a lot on here about, you know, even therapists, you know, can push or like try to get you to do, you know, you have to advocate for yourself and say, I'm in it, I'm doing the work, and this is the pace that's working for me right now. So I really appreciate that you that you highlighted that. All right, Tony, um, I just so appreciate you. Um, question I ask all of my guests, two questions. One, what or who is bringing out the best of you right now? Oh, can I be honest? My little four-month-old is, I just... I mean, the way he even looks at me and like holds on to my hair, like there is just like this tenderness that I think babies give that just reminds you that you can still be tender too as an adult and like vulnerable and not able to feed yourself, you know, like he just reminds me that like I can do that too. Like I can just like lay and not be able to hold my head up, you know? And I just think that's just such a beautiful picture of like, you know, who God is, just the, the God that made our little heads all wobbly and we can't even hold our neck up, you know, just so innocent and fragile. And he's just like, I've got you in the palm of my hand. So my little four month old is like doing a work in me right now. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And what needs and desires are you working to protect? Oh, I, I mean, this is good because I am literally in a season right now where I'm planning out my next year. And I've got to put some really hard boundaries around my time. One of the things that's been a consistent in my life is that everyone said, oh, you have so much capacity. Like you have so much capacity. And I'm learning now that just because I have a lot of capacity doesn't mean I need to use it all, right? Like there can just be a season where we're just running on 60%. Now it's not to say the 40% ain't there, okay? Because I will crush it if I need to at 100%. However, I think I'm starting to convince myself and really believe that even 40%, is okay. It's okay. That's just, I'm only going to do 40% this week. And so, yeah, that's like, I I want to get to a place where I can really protect that I need rest and I need the freedom to not fill up and not be a performer all the way to hundred percent all the time. I love that. You're setting some gentle boundaries with that performer part of you for the good of the all of you. And I love this idea. I talk, you know, we talk about it all the time on here, this idea of creating some spaciousness, some just some space for margin is kind of what I hear you saying. Like, yeah. I don't, just because I can, doesn't mean I have to. Just because I can, doesn't mean I should. Yeah. So I love that. Tell people where to find you, how to look you up and... and All the things. All the things. So it's Tony J. Collier on everything. T-O-N-I-J-C-O-L-L-I-E-R. The book's called Brave Enough to be Broken. I love it. You can order it anywhere where all the books are sold, all the things. And yeah, that's what's happening. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And thanks for sharing your story so bravely. It's going to help a lot of people. Thanks, Allison. Dr. Allison. Thanks for having me. You're awesome. 
Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Best of You. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources and links mentioned in the show. You can find those on my website at drallisoncook.com. That's Allison with one L, cook.com. Before you forget, I hope you'll follow the show now so that you don't miss an episode. And I'd love it if you'd go ahead and leave a review. It helps so much to get the word out. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, you honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.